Good morning. Welcome to uh, the new normal, Lighthouse Bible Church Online. It's a new normal for now. We hope it's not that way forever. Anyway, uh, I spoke to Pastor John on Thursday, and he sounded great. Um, he said he's improving a little bit every day and has uh, begun a proven treatment, um, oral treatment, for uh, the targets his cancer that doesn't involve chemo or, or radiation. <clears throat> He's probably going to go home next week, so keep him, Roberta, Hannah, and Jack in your prayers, and that his recovery will be complete and swift. Also, uh, we want to keep in prayer uh, a couple of other people, Um, Joyce Margliano's nephew, who tested positive for the virus, Um, and Dale Koshin had a mild stroke, Um, and also he's dealing with the death of his stepfather, And Lorraine, uh, her niece's husband, died at age 51, so that was a little premature. So keep all these people in our prayers, as well as everybody else. So speaking of that, let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for all the many blessings that you have provided us. Most importantly, for Jesus Christ, who suffered on the cross to pay for the sins of all mankind and provide the gift of eternal life to those who simply believe and trust in Jesus. We pray for Pastor John's continued recovery for his family and blessings of health and prosperity on Lighthouse Bible Church and our congregation, families, and our community. Father, we also pray for the healing and comfort for Joyce, Dale, and Lorraine and their families in their time of distress. We pray for our country and for all people affected by this virus, for health care workers, essential service workers, and uh, that a treatment or vaccine will be developed soon. Please bless all of us today and prepare our minds and hearts as we seek to learn more about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. As you know, each month we feature a different missionary organization, which we pray for and send support funds. We encourage you to do, th- do this also <clears throat> in any way that you feel you're able. This month it's Basic Training Bible Ministries, the ministry of Jean and Nan Cunningham. They have been all over the world teaching, training indigenous pastors, evangelizing, and planting churches in India, Australia, China, Myanmar... Peru, Papua New Guinea, and probably lots of other places that I don't even remember. Um, They're truly wonderful, dedicated servants of our Lord, deserving of our support. And some of the pastors and missionaries that they also support um, are experiencing greater difficulty due to the COVID-19. You can donate online at uh, www.basictraining.org. Uh, or write a check to them, e- email or text me if you need uh, if you need their address. Okay, today's uh, continuation of last week's uh, study: um, the courage of the queen and the providence of God. The Book of Esther, Part Two. As you will remember from last week. Uh, We looked at the first four chapters of the book of Esther. We saw that King Ahasuerus had a huge banquet to show off his wealth and riches. And toward the last part of his banquet, um, he sent for his queen Vashti, who refused to show up 
so he divorced her and uh, had a contest of all the young maidens in the uh, kingdom to select a new queen. I'm just recapping this uh, real quickly. Hopefully all of you listened last week or caught up on it anyway. Um, So Esther, a young Jewish girl, was selected as she was beautiful and charming. She had some special help of Haggai, the eunuch in charge of the women in the contest, as well as her cousin, a Jew named Mordecai. She kept her identity as a Jew secret, as Mordecai had told her. Mordecai had discovered a plot to kill the king and relayed a warning to the king, who stopped it and executed the perpetrators. Um, Then King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agagite to the highest prince, second only to the king, and commanded all to bow down to him. Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman, angering him so much that he developed a plot to kill all the Jews in the land. The king then approved Haman's plot and sent out a proclamation that that this was to be done. Mordecai was very sad and angry and sent word to Esther that she should tell the king. But the law of the land was such that anyone who went before the king without being summoned was immediately put to death unless he found favor and raised the golden scepter um, sparing their life. Well, at first, Esther balks at going to the king because being against the king's law, it risks immediate death. And I guess uh, it'd be easy to balk at that. Mordecai explains that she will not escape and will be found out as a Jew and killed as well if the king doesn't stop the plot. So, the question we had last week at the end was, so will Esther be successful in convincing Ahasuerus to stop Haman's genocide? Well, the possible outcomes are Esther killed for violating the king's command. That's in the law. He could easily have done that. And number two, Esther tells the king of the plot, but he spares her life and let Haman, lets Haman proceed anyway. And finally, oops, finally the king reverses the plot and saves the Jews thanks to uh, Esther's courage. So it could be one of those three. So let's continue in chapter 5 of the book of Esther and find out what happens. So the book of Esther, chapter 5 and verse 1. Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's room. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. When the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight, and the king extended to Esther the golden scepter, which was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. So the king said to her, What is troubling you, Queen Esther, and what is your request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be given to you. Esther said, If it pleases the king... May the king and Haman come this day to the banquet that I have prepared for him. And then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, so that we may do as Esther desires. So the king and Haman came to the banquet which Esther had prepared. 
Now as they drank their wine at the banquet, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? For it shall be granted to you. Then what is your request? Even to half the kingdom it shall be done. Well, right here, she had a chance to ask for almost anything. I mean, half of the kingdom, that was a big kingdom, 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. But um, she kept her, uh, kept her wishes small, and Esther replied, My petition and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and to do what I request... May the king and Haman come to the banquet which I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king says. Then Haman went out that day glad and pleased of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, and that he did not stand up or tremble before him, Haman was filled with anger against Mordecai. Because remember, uh, when Mordecai was... uh, Promoted by the king, uh, everyone was supposed to bow down to him and uh, pay tribute. But uh, Mordecai wasn't doing that because he only he only worshipped one god, the god of Israel. Anyway, uh, Haman controlled himself, however, and went to his house and sent for his friends and his wife Zeresh. Then Haman recounted to them the glory of his riches and the number of his sons. And every instance where the king had magnified him and how he had promoted him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman also said, Even Esther the queen, let no one but me come with the king to the banquet which she had prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her with the king. So Haman is full of himself here and his arrogance, just like Satan when he rebelled against God. Um, Haman went on to say, Yet all of this does not satisfy me every time I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then Zeresh his wife and all his friends said to him, Have a gallows fifty cubits high made, and in the morning ask the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go joyfully with the king to the banquet. And this advice pleased Haman. So he had a gallows made, Well, we could see here that Queen Esther has a plan and is being very careful to approach the issue in a way that will be positive for the king. After all, the goal is for him to reverse the order and save all the Jews from extermination. We will also see the hand of God in the next few verses. So, moving on to chapter 6 of the book of Esther, we'll read... uh, During that night, the king could not sleep, so he gave an order to bring the book of records, the chronicles, and they were read before the king. It was found written that Mordecai had reported concerning Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who were doorkeepers, that they had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. The king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And then the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. Well, thank God here for the king's insomnia and that he was called to remember how Mordecai had reported the plot against him, probably saving his life. 
Do we think God had a hand in this? I think he did. So the king said in verse 4, so the king said, who was in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace in order to speak to the king without about hanging Mordecai on the gallows which he had prepared for him. So this is going to get exciting. The king's servants said to him, Behold, Haman is standing in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, What is to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor? And Haman said to himself, Whom would the king desire to honor more than me? Again, in his arrogance. Then Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king desires to honor... Let them bring a royal robe which the king has worn, and the horse on which the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal crown has been placed. And let the robe and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble princes, and let them array the man whom the king desires to honor, and lead him on horseback through the city square, and proclaim before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor." Whoa. Then the king said to Haman, Take quickly the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so for Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not fall short in anything of all you have said. <laughs> so, so Haman took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done to the man the king desires to honor. (laughs) Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried home, mourning with his head covered. Haman recounted to Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then the wise men and Zeresh, his wife, told him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish origin... You will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. So uh, Haman, being an Agagite, is a descendant of the Amalekites, who are the sworn enemy of the Jewish people way back when. And we talked about that last week. But anyway, this is another victory of the, uh, the Jews over the Amalekites, as we'll see. So while they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hastily brought Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. In verse 7, in verse 1, I mean chapter 7, verse 1, Now the king and Haman came to drink wine with Esther the queen. And the king said to Esther on the second day also as they drank their wine at the banquet, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to half the kingdom it shall be done. Well, she had another chance to ask for a whole lot more, but she was pretty focused on what she needed to do. So then Queen Esther replied, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, if it pleases the king, let my life be given as my petition and my people as my request. For we have been sold... I and my people to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Now, if we had only been sold as slaves, men and women, I would have remained silent, 
for the trouble would not be commensurate with the annoyance to the king. Sorry about that. Got this slide mixed up. So what? Did the king just forget approving Haman's plan to murder all the Jews? Like he forgot Mordecai's discovery and reporting the plot on his life by the eunuchs until he had insomnia and had to read about, about it in the chronicle? I don't know. Sounds kind of fishy, huh? Anyway, Esther uh, continued on and said, A foe and an enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman became terrified before the king and queen. The king arose in his anger from drinking wine. Oh boy, they're drinking a lot of wine, aren't they? Wow. Anyway, uh, they must live in California. Anyway, the, the king arose in his anger from drinking wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm had been determined against him by the king. Now when the king returned from the palace garden into the place where they were drinking wine, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he even assault the queen with me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs who were before the king, said, Behold, indeed, the gallows standing at Haman's house 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on behalf of the king. And the king said, Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows, which he had prepared for Mordecai, and the king's anger subsided. Well, that was some serious karma. Not that I believe in karma, but... (laughs) Anyway, Haman had to parade Mordecai through the city with the king's robes on the king's horse and proclaim him to be honored. Exactly the opposite as what he had expected, and the method of honor was of his own choosing. Also, he was executed on the same gallows that he built for Mordecai. So I think, uh, you know, God had a plan here. And we're going to find out more about that. Okay, in chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, to Queen Esther. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had disclosed what he was before her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had taken away from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Then Esther spoke again to the king, fell at his feet, wept, and implored him to avert avert the evil scheme of Haman, the Agagite, and his plot, which he had devised against the Jews. The king extended the golden scepter to Esther, so Esther arose and stood before the king. Then she said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor before him, and the matter seems proper to the king, and I am pleasing in his sight, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who were in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the calamity which will befall my people? How can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? So King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, 
Behold, I have given the house of Haman to Esther, and him they have hanged on the gallows, because he had stretched out his hands against the Jews. So it looks like another victory for the Jews over the Amalekites. Now you write in verse 8, Now you write to the Jews as you see fit in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring. For a decree which is written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's signet ring may not be revoked. So the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month, that is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day, and it was written according to all that Mordecai had commanded to the Jews. The satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces which extended from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces, to every province according to its script, and to every people according to their language, as well as to the Jews according to their script and their language. He wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed it with the king's signet ring and sent letters by couriers on horses riding on steeds sired by the royal stud. In, the king, in them the king granted the Jews who were in each and every city the right to assemble and defend their lives, to destroy, kill, and to annihilate the entire army of any people or province which might attack them, including children and women, and to plunder their spoil. On one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, a copy of the edict to be issued as law in each and every province was published to all the peoples so that the Jews would be ready for this day to avenge themselves of their enemies. The couriers, hastened and impelled by the king's command, went out, riding on the royal steeds, and the decree was given out at the citadel in Susa. Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white, with a large crown of gold and a garment of fine white linen and purple, and the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. For the Jews there was light and gladness and joy and honor. In each and every province and each and every city, wherever the king's commandment and his decree arrived, there was gladness and joy for the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many among the peoples of the land became Jews, for the dread of the Jews had fallen on them. So even though it looked very bad for Mordecai and the Jews, including Esther, God in his wisdom, love, and love for them used events and people to accomplish their deliverance and deliver judgment to the evil Haman. So if you remember a couple of weeks ago in Second, uh, Second Peter chapter 2, um, we learned that uh, God will deliver the righteous and will judge the unrighteous. So that seems like that's pretty much what's happening here. Anyway, uh, if you consider the Jews as chosen people as righteous, which they were for that time, uh, now in the twelfth month, this is chapter 9, now in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day, when the king's command and edict were about to be executed, <clears throat> on the day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, it was turned to the contrary, so that the Jews themselves gained mastery over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm. No one could stand there before them, 
for the dread of them had fallen on all of the peoples, even all the princes of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and those who were doing the king's business, assisted the Jews because of the dread of Mordecai had fallen on them. Indeed, Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces, for the, main, for the man Mordecai became greater and greater. And thus the Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. At the citadel in Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. And uh, Parshandatha, Dalphon, Aspatha, Paratha, Adelia, Eridatha, Parmashta, Arasai, Aradai, and Vayatatha, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Jews' enemy, but they did not lay hands on the plunder. On that day, the number of those who were killed at the citadel at Susa was reported to the king. The king said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and the ten sons of Haman at the citadel in Susa. What then have they done to the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your petition? It shall even be granted to you. And what is your further request? It shall also be done. Then said Esther, If it pleases the king, let tomorrow also be granted to the Jews who are in Susa to do according to the edict of today, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. Well, I guess they didn't have enough time in the one day that was allotted to destroy their enemies, and she pleaded for them to have an extra day. Um, And even though Haman's ten sons were already killed, the day before, um, she wanted them to be hung on the gallows, I guess, as a, as a warning to everybody against the Jews that uh, the Jews were too strong in this case. So the king commanded that it should be done so, and an edict was issued in Susa, and Haman's ten sons were hanged. The Jews who were in Susa assembled also on the fourth day, 14th day of the month of Adar and killed 300 men in Susa, but they did not lay hands on the plunder. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces assembled to defend their lives and rid themselves of their enemies and kill 75,000 of those who hated them, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. This was done on the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the 14th day they rested and made it a day of feasting and rejoicing. But the Jews that were in Susa assembled on the 13th and the 14th of the same month, and they rested on the 15th day and made it a day of feasting and rejoicing. Therefore, the Jews of the rural areas who live in the rural towns make the 14th day of the month of Adar a holiday for rejoicing and feasting and sending portions of food to one another. Then Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to celebrate the 14th day of the month of Adar and the 15th day of the same month annually, because on those days... The Jews rid themselves of their enemies, and it was a month which was turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday. 
and that they should make them days of feasting and rejoicing and sending portions of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Thus the Jews undertook what they had started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the adversary of all the Jews, had schemed against the Jews to destroy them and had cast per, that is, the lot, to disturb them and destroy them. Well, the, the casting of the lot was to determine uh, the day that this would all happen when Haman did it. Um, so that was what the lot was about. And it, but when it came to the king's attention, he commanded by letter that his wicked scheme, which he had devised against the Jews, should return on his own head, and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore they called these days Purim after the name of Pur. And because of the instructions in this letter, both what they had seen in this regard and what had happened to them, the Jews established and made a custom for themselves and for their descendants and for all those who allied themselves with them so that they would not fail to celebrate these two days according to their regulation and according to their appointed time annually. So I have to add here that these last verses seem very bloody with the Jews killing all their enemies. Verse 27 shows that they had allies in this land of their exile. And to me, this would seem to indicate that they only killed those who would have killed them anyway, just their enemies. And note that they did not take any plunder. So... Finishing up in uh, chapter 9, verse 28. So these days were to be remembered and celebrated throughout every generation, every family, every province, every city. And these days of Purim were not to fail from among the Jews or their memory fade from its descendants. Then Queen Esther, daughter of Abihail, with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter about Purim. He sent letters to all the Jews to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of King Ahasuerus, namely words of peace and truth, to establish these days of Purim at their appointed times, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had established for them, and just as they had established for themselves and for their descendants, with instructions for their times of fasting and their lamentations. The command of Esther established these customs for Purim, and it was written in the book. So the festival of Purim is celebrated every year by the Jews on the 14th of the Hebrew month of Adar, uh, late winter, early spring. I think this year it was like March uh, 24th and 25th or something. Anyway, late, late winter and early spring. And it commemorates the divinely orchestrated deliverance of the Jewish people in the ancient Persian Empire from Haman's plot to destroy, kill, and annihilate the Jews, young and old, children and women, in a single day. Chapter 10, final chapter, only three verses long. Now King Ahasuerus laid a tribute on the land and on the coastlands of the sea. And all the accomplishments of his authority and strength, and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai, to which the king advanced him, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings 
of Medea and Persia? Well, I guess they must be, or the king will forget about them, right? (laughs) Anyway, for Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Ahasuerus, and great among the Jews, and in favor with his many kinsmen, one who sought the good of his people, and one who spoke for the welfare, welfare of his whole nation. So what can we take away from this beautiful story? Well, one, God was still in control of the deliverance of the Jews. And even though the Jews had been taken into exile for their disobedience to God, God still loved them. The courage of Esther to risk her life was rewarded by God. And the victory of Mordecai and Esther over Haman is analogous to Christ's victory over Satan. Esther had gained support of the king by her humility and respect for authority, which is commanded by God to have, for us to have humility and respect for authority, even though we might not like the authority sometimes. God's hand was everywhere in this book, and notably in causing the king's insomnia and remembrance of Mordecai's report on the plot against the king. And not only that, um, also in um, placing Esther in the position of queen, giving her the help of Haggai, the the eunuch in charge of the women, because it was a big contest of all the women, all the young maidens in the kingdom of who would be the next queen. And uh, Esther was that because she had help and because God... God ordained that. So, uh, like we learned in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, we should trust God to exalt us in his timing, just as he did for Mordecai. And he stopped Haman from exalting himself in his own arrogant will. And just as we learned in 2 Peter chapter 2, God delivers the righteous and judges the unrighteous. And even when evil looks insurmountable, God can turn it all around for good. So, as we close our service today, if anyone has not yet believed in Christ as your personal Savior, now is the time to make that decision. We know that we can't earn or deserve salvation or eternal life. As Ephesians chapter 2 says, Verses 8 and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and not from works, so that no one can boast. And in John chapter 6, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day, Jesus said. And in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, in order that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God has made salvation so simple that all you have to do is tell God, I believe that died, Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins and was resurrected by God, and I trust in him as my Lord and Savior. So I did want to mention one thing. Um, 
this being the first Sunday of the month, we normally have uh, the Lord's Supper, and we've decided that we're going to put that off until we're all together again for the time being. So that may change when Pastor comes back, but uh, for right now, uh, we're not together, so we're not going to be celebrating that. Um, Lighthouse Bible Church is a grace ministry and supported by gifts from believers who desire to support the teaching of God's word. We don't ask for pledges of money and we don't pass the plate, but our ministry does have needs of salary for the pastor, building expenses, utilities, and missionary support. So keep that in your thoughts and prayers. And even though we're, the church is closed, we still have the, um, you know, the electric bill, a little bit of electric bill. We still have the grounds maintenance and all the maintenance of the facilities. We still have Pastor John's salary um, and utilities. So um, those are things that, you know, we still have expenses even though we have no one coming here. So anyway, if um, God puts it on your heart to help support this ministry, please mail a check or donate online. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for allowing us to worship you and study your word today. And we ask that you bless us with your loving grace and answer our prayers as we leave today. Help us to keep the confidence in the blessings we have in Christ at the forefront of our mind when we are experiencing the struggles and disappointments that life can bring. We pray for the healing of Pastor John, for our church family, our community, our country, and all who are suffering. And we pray for everyone impacted by the virus, that a solution and recovery will be swift. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Everybody stay healthy. Stay healthy and stay with your Bible. Thank you.